0: Welcome back to a 9-0 and basketball Buckeye talk. Doug Maurice, Bill Landis at the Schottenstein Center, Ohio State just beat Nebraska. 64-59, the Buckeyes now number 13 in the nation. They achieved that mark before this game but they're 18 and 4 overall. They're 9 and 0 in the Big 10 and they deserve a basketball podcast. So we're squeezing this one in before the Wednesday football podcast. We'll still come back with that, but we wanted to talk about this team that just ended kind of a crazy stretch. They're in this big homestand now. But I would like to start off, as Doug Lamourice and Bill Landis. Bill, with reminding people what your
1: prediction was for this team's record this year. My prediction uh, was 18 wins and uh, I can't do math. 18 and 13 13 and then 8 and 10 in Big Ten play.
0: So congratulations to the Buckeyes (laughs) for matching Landis's predicted win total and surpassing his predicted Big Ten win
1: total. Yeah, and I thought I was generous. They were picked to finish 11th in the league, and there were definitely people who had them uh, like around like the 15, 16 total win mark and 6, 7 total win mark in Big Ten play. So I thought, I basically picked them to be one game better than they were last year, and in my head I was like, that's a really good first season for Chris Holtman, and I was wrong.
0: So I'm going to like put a big old damper on this amazing season so far by saying, because we discussed this uh, during the game, um, I think they are absolutely tracking toward being a four seed in Boise in the NCAA tournament and losing to a 13 seed in the first round. And <laughs> everyone going like, man, wow, that was a great year. Too bad they lost in the first round to a 13 seed, but what a great year. And the reason that I think that, um, and I'm writing this for uh, Tuesday morning, you'll be reading this, is they, to me, are such a collection of the, the sum is greater than the total of the parts. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. This is not... When you go through and see, like, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, Katie bates Diop might be the Big Ten player of the year, but, like, when you're talking about... Like they're the 13 number 13 team in the country. If you that's crazy high. If you first went
1: of all. that's what they're ranked. Yeah, it's wrong. They're ranked. They're not the 13th best team. But, you
0: but if you there. went like roster for roster between Ohio State and let's say whoever is ranked like 8th or whoever is ranked like 16th, wouldn't you go through it and be like, "Oh my god, like this isn't even close." Yeah, How in absolutely. God's name is yeah. Ohio State 13th? And at some point, I think that might show up when you get like you know, a a 13 seed, which is going to be like the best, the best conference champ from a small conference who went like 29 and four and is awesome and has like a borderline NBA guy. And you're like, wow, they're really good. And then people go like, wow, how did Ohio State get a four seed? Look at their roster. So, but on the other hand, I also think you can look through it and realize how talented this is. I think you can very much look at this roster two ways, but We want to get into questions and I'm like, I'm crediting Ohio State by saying that because I want to read two quick questions. We got questions during the day and we got some post game. A post game question, double dip from Buckeye Fitzy, Dave Fitzgerald II. I want to read both questions, which I think he makes some very good points. Dave Fitzgerald on Twitter. The Buckeyes survived a brutal travel gauntlet over the last nine days and still had enough to gut out a win tonight versus a team that was playing well. Does this team already have the makeup and guts to advance in the NCAA tournament to the second weekend? Also, the Buckeyes have seemingly caught some teams on a downswing recently. Does that mean the 9-0 and 0 is somewhat of a facade? In short, is the woodshed Iowa version of basketball mm-hmm. coming? I want to believe. Like... This guy is simultaneously projecting them to go to the Sweet 16, and also asking, "Is this sort of a mirage? This nine and zero so far."
1: Landis. Uh, yeah. My bad answer is that I, I don't know either, and I've wondered that myself as they as they've been on this run. Um, I do think like the the Iowa style football woodshed loss was a very talented team losing by a crazy margin to a not so talented team, and I don't I don't think that that kind of loss against a team that Ohio State is clearly better than is out there anymore. Cause I, I, I thought it was going to come in this stretch. I picked them to lose at Northwestern. Um, I thought about picking them to lose against Minnesota. And had I known Amir Coffey coffee was playing, I probably would have. Um, and then I thought about picking them to lose this game and I didn't cause I'm a chicken. Um, but I think they're past that. I think they're past, and they proved to me that they're past losing. Like teams lose weird games. Michigan lost to Nebraska by 20 last week. That's a, that's a bad loss for Michigan. um, I just don't – I don't think Ohio State's in that spot now. Now, that doesn't mean they could go play Purdue on February 7th, and Purdue is, is very legitimately one of the best teams in the country, and they could lose by 30 in West Lafayette, and I wouldn't be surprised by that because they played Gonzaga and they got smoked, they played North Carolina, and they lost pretty handily too. And that, that is just another another level of basketball team that they have not played really in this stretch with the exception of Michigan State. And I know they beat Michigan State by 16. They did it here. Um, wasn't in East Lansing and, and winning on the road in the Big Ten is a different thing. Um but I would not be nervous about an Iowa style loss that you don't see coming out of nowhere, especially by that kind of margin. But I think it is fair to wonder sort of what the ceiling is for this team, and it's possible we're seeing it now, which like doesn't maybe doesn't project to a deep tournament run. But I also think that doesn't matter. Um, I think that like for you, you put a damper, and people are going to give us crap for that, by the way.
0: Right, Ohio, State,
1: that- Ohio State has won eight games in a row. Thirteen of their last fourteen or whatever. They're not in a Big Ten play, and like in the first minute of the podcast, like, they're gonna lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um But I do think there's a segment of Ohio State basketball fans who are just like happy to be on this ride. And once Ohio State put itself in a position to possibly contend for the Big Ten championship, um, it's kind of all gravy. So I don't think people people would be disappointed, but it's not gonna be like pitchfork disappointment.
0: Can I make a comparison? I feel like this Ohio State basketball team is kind of like a Michigan State football team. Mm-hmm. So, like I think the question about is they is a Woodshed Iowa moment coming like the Ohio State football team getting blown out unexpectedly at Iowa is is not coming. But I think what it would be is more like when Michigan State football this year lost 45 nothing to Ohio State. And you were like, oh, is Michigan State's pretty good, I think? And then it was like, oh, that's right, Ohio State football has 20 more NFL players than Michigan State football does. Yeah. I think that might be coming at Purdue. Mm-hmm. And I think but remember like the Michigan State team that beat Ohio State and then went to the playoff and then got its limbs ripped off by Alabama? <laughs> like maybe that. But you know what? Like, okay, Michigan State went to the playoff and got torn apart by an Alabama team with literally 10 times more talent. But you know what? That was a really awesome run for Michigan State football to get to the college football playoff. This is what this Ohio State team is right now. And it's not because that's what Ohio State basketball ceiling is. It's because of all the crazy stuff that happened that led us to this point. But this team is lacking some things yet somehow is here and the reason they are here is because the pieces they have fit together very very well and they are playing together at an extremely high level and they easily i thought when they they were trailing 20 to 10 against Minnesota in New York i thought they're going to lose this game they won by 20 against Nebraska tonight when i think they were down by 7 at one point in the first half mm-hmm. i thought they're going to lose this game and then they fought and scrapped and pulled it up by six and or by five. And in the end, they kind of had control of the game at the end. They are already winning games that would have been very easy to lose. Mm-hmm. So this team is on an incredible run. It's just funny to think about them really coming up against – and Michigan State was in a really weird spot when they lost here. And then Michigan State, I think, then won in overtime and lost another game in that stretch and hadn't been on the road and just kind of had some weird things. But like – You know, when they play another team with three or four NBA guys, I mean, I just think it might—the wheels might come off for that one game. But I also think it's on the table. So how many they play eighteen Big Ten games? Mm -hmm. Here's my prediction for Ohio State's Big Ten season: ready, seventeen and one with a fifty-five point loss
1: to (laughs) Purdue. (laughs) I think Ohio State fans would take that. I think they take
0: that. But look, you beat everybody else. Like the idea of like, oh, maybe this, maybe those other losses. Like losses to the teams that are equal to you, they beat everybody who's equal to them because they play together and they play smart and they play hard and they're extremely well coached. And then, oh yeah, when they play Purdue, which is legitimately one of the five most talented teams in the country, they can't compete. But other than that, I mean, they've already beat Michigan. Michigan's one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Yeah. Like, I and and, and, and just the big. This is is this not a perfect? Uh, if this coincides this what uh, what you thought was a down year and instead is turning into a great year is co perfectly coinciding with a down year in the league, yeah and all of a sudden it's like, well, who can take advantage of that? Wow, well, it turns
1: out it's Ohio State, yeah, and I think uh, i I would caution Ohio State fans to like be in a spot where you're like nervous about this team's um prospects for making a deep Big Ten tournament run or winning the Big Ten tournament or making a big, making a deep NCAA tournament run. Like, I strongly implore you to just, like, enjoy the ride because this wasn't supposed to happen and to not, like, I wrote after they beat Michigan State that this was changing from a rebuilding year to a a year where, like, people are going to start expecting things from them. And it's not to say that the team doesn't because it does. Like, it's not just, the team is not just along for the ride. So I guess if that's the case, maybe you don't have to be either. But I would not. I would not already be thinking about March and what could potentially happen and being nervous about that. I would I would say like enjoy what this team has done because it's been pretty incredible. And it's, but part of it and it's realistic is the fact that the league is not very good. Like Northwestern was a top twenty team when the when the season opened, and Ohio State won on the road and and beat Northwestern not handily but but certainly looked like the better team and and in the end like kind of didn't sweat it out all that much. Um, it's just the league. The league is bad, and to Chris Holman's credit, he's put together a, a roster and a team that's playing at a, at a at a level that's been taking advantage of that. But it is it is important to keep in mind that nine and zero in Big Ten play this year does not really mean what it's meant in the past. It's fun and you should enjoy it, but just understand that the league is bad this year.
0: Yeah, and it's like, and I think people get that. I mean, there were like Thad Mata teams that that lost in the Sweet Sixteen that you were like, ugh. They lost in the Sweet 16. Like this is not that. This is like they made the Sweet 16. Yeah. This might be like they won a tournament game. It reminds me a little bit of um, Thad Mata's second year, the Terrence Dials team in the year before Greg Oden. In uh, 2005, 2006, they won the Big Ten. Taryn Styles was the Player of the Year. Which this team could do. This team could win the Big Ten because that's the thing. You could get your doors blown off by Purdue, and then Purdue goes and loses two yeah. weird games, and you, you're 17 and one with that one loss to Purdue, and Purdue 16 and two. Um, that 2005 2005- Purdue plays
1: like Purdue plays Michigan State. I think
0: three or four days after it plays Ohio State. Really? Yeah. Okay. So that 2005-2016 won the Big Ten. Terrence Diles was the Big Ten Player of the Year. They got a two-seed in the NCAA tournament, won in the first round, and played Georgetown as a seven-seed with Roy Hibbert uh, in the second round and got taken apart. And Thad Mata was like, yeah, they were better than us. (laughs) And it was like, yeah, that seven-seed was better than you as a two-seed because that two-seed was Terrence Diles and Jamar Butler and Jaquel Foster and J.J. Sellinger and, like, not NBA guys. There were not NBA guys on that team and they were a two seed. Like this is – Cade is an NBA guy. Mm-hmm. But this is not a super stacked roster. This is not an Odin Conley team. This, this is not Evan Turner. Um, so you just realize, man, w- we played over our skis the whole year. And so I think, I think people are doing that. I don't really even think we have to warn people about that because I think people realize what this is. And what it is is really freaking fun. For Ohio State basketball fans, and it hasn't been that way in a couple years. Let's hit some more questions. These are some of the post-game questions, and, Bill, you get ready some of the pre-game questions we had. Sure. G. Nilly, as your head, do you want to strap your head onto your body with, like, a piece of bungee cord? Because this question is the greatest question for Bill Landis in the history of questions. From G. Nilly 97, who just did it. We know G. Nilly just did it to haunt Landis, (laughs) to make him lie awake and stare at his ceiling at night and think about this. Which Tate will be looked as having had the better Ohio State career, Jayshon or Martell? That's your weak spot. He went right for your weak spot. He went right for your weak spot with the, the... Quarterback who hasn't done anything yet versus <laughs> the heart and soul senior basketball player who has held this program together for four years, Jay Sean Tate or Tate
1: Martell, who's uh, going to be a better Buckeye? You guys know I love Tate Martell, but I have to say, like it's Jay Sean. Like, what am I going to say? Like, what? I don't know if Tate Martell's ever going to play here. I think he I don't would, know. I
0: mean, like, if Tate Martell wins the Heisman, he sure, he like, would win.
1: Like well, I you think he he's going to win the Heisman?
0: If I ask you right now, does Tate Martell win a Heisman at Ohio State? Yes or no?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I mean, Ohio State, Ohio State quarterback, I think is always going to trump like six uh, 6'4 glue guy from on the basketball team, and that like that's that's short selling what Jay Sean Tate is. Um, I can't answer this question, man. It's Tate Martell. It did yeah.
0: <laughs> his head. If if you you can't if you heard a thud there in the background, that was his head being severed from his body and rolling across the, the floor here. Um, Genially, two more good questions that will not make Landis's head explode, but will inform you about this basketball team. One, should we be worried about the load on Keita Bates-Diop's shoulders? Offensively, will he be worn down by March? He's averaging about 20, right? Yeah. Clearly the go-to guy. He had uh, 20 points in 37 minutes, 8 of 16 from the field um, against Nebraska. Is that a worry?
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, no, I don't think so. I, I think this was – they played five games in 11 days. 37 minutes. Yeah, and he – I mean, that is that is normal for him in and, and five games in 11 days when you're asking that – when you're asking as much as you're asking if Kata, I think, is eventually going to gonna show up um, in the box score. He is not – I think in his last three games now, he's over 12 from three. In the game before that, it's possible he might have missed his last two or three. So he's on a, a super cold streak from three-point range. Um, but I would – I'm actually kind of encouraged a little bit if I'm an Ohio State fan by – his his defense hasn't really suffered. I think his defense has been pretty good while his offense has, has gone off track a little bit. Um, he's passing the ball a little more. He's still rebounding. So, um, no, I, I think if there was going to be a troublesome stretch, it was this. The schedule kind of normalizes now. They don't play more than three games in any week the rest of the way. And then, obviously, you get in the Big Ten tournament. But I think they're going to be seated at a position that's only going to have them play if they win the whole thing three games. So... Um, I would not be super worried about it. I think that it's clearly weighing on him now, but he'll get some rest. And the thing that would really benefit them is if they can get um, – they have four straight home games. The Nebraska game started four straight home games. They play Penn State, Indiana, and Illinois. Um, I think Penn State and Indiana can be tricky. Illinois has not won a Big Ten game. I think you, if you want in one of those games to be up by a comfortable margin so that you can rest guys like Kata and Jay Sean for you a know, sub- substantial amount of time. But I wouldn't be too worried about – Kate's usage or, or wearing down at this point because he is like he hasn't. I guess there's two ways to look at it. Uh, he hasn't played a ton in his career, so he could be fresh, or he hasn't played a ton of his career, a ton in his career, so he's not like built for for this kind of um, usage just yet. But I, I would think it's the first one. I think he's he's fresh. It's just that five games, eleven days weighs on any, anyone. I was just trying to think who the Illinois coach is. I thought, is it Lovey Smith?
0: And I thought, no, he doesn't coach football and basketball. Then I thought, is it John Gross? And then I thought, no, no. he got fired. And then I thought remembered and I said, it's Carrie Underwood's dad. Yeah. Right?
1: Or it's the president from House of Cards. What's his name? Frank Underwood. Francis. Not <laughs> anymore. Spoiler alert.
0: What's the name of the Brad Illinois? Underwood. <laughs> is it is it Brad Underwood for I think, real? I think it's his is name. it Underwood? Or is it a different compound? I feel like, is there a green in there? Is it Greenwood? He was at Oklahoma State, right? That was a better... Was that a more exciting hire than Chris Holtman? And Illinois, who won? Who, Brad Underwood. Who who won more games last year, Illinois or Ohio State? I don't know about uh, basketball. Probably Illinois. I just like... So we're talk- we're just talking about Illinois had enough problems to fire its basketball coach and go get... A head coach from another Power Five conference—is that what they call it in basketball? Power Five—they call it the Power Thirteen. However many big conferences there <laughs> are, around. but they went and got like a big time coach who like wasn't happy at Oklahoma State, and they stink.
1: Illinois uh, was twenty and fifteen. And Ohio State was seventeen and fifteen last year.
0: And who would have had a better Big Ten record?
1: Illinois by one game.
0: Okay, Illinois was one game better in the Big Ten than Ohio State last year. <laughs> Illinois, and Ohio State both fired their coaches. Ohio State is undefeated in the Big Ten, and Illinois is winless in the Big Ten. That tells you that Thad Mata actually had a pretty good roster and program here, and John Gross – now, if I was a cliched sports writer, I would say dumpster fire, mm. but I am anti-dumpster fire – left him a steaming pile of roster in Illinois. They haven't won a game. Is that not? Does that not inform us a little bit about something? That two programs fire their head coaches – one is undefeated. One is winless.
1: Yeah, I think so. Illinois lost, I think, a pretty significant and transfer. I want to, to hear it.
0: your excuses for Brad Underwood.
1: It's like your le- Kendrick Nunn, I think, was one of their – if it wasn't a leading scorer, he was one of the leading scorers. And I think he's playing at, like, Oakland now or something like that.
0: Don't try to show off by naming former Illinois basketball players. Dee Brown. Yeah. Timmy Hsu, our old pal. Has a question, and then we'll get back to the last Nilly question because this is also a Kata Bates-Diop Tim question. Shoemaker? Tim Shoemaker? Tim
1: Oh, man.
0: Would Ohio State be better off if Kata Bates-Diop faked an injury and missed two weeks of the season, much like Tom Izzo did with Denzel Valentine a couple years ago? I feel like that's a leading question. <laughs> but I would not be against Kata Bates-Diop um, – like getting a night off. Tripping on a pebble before the Illinois game and taking yeah. a nap in the locker room.
1: No, I think I thought about it. I, I actually almost asked it today, but I wasn't going to. I meant it more along the lines of like, do you give. Cause they now. They played Monday. They don't play again until Thursday. Um, and they'll practice between them. But I thought. I was going to ask Chris if he was going to give guys like Kada and JT a day or two off from practice just to get rest. And I didn't. Like, it doesn't. And then Tim Miles after the game make, made a joke about playing they have to play now four games in eight days and he talked about like nba guys would sit that last game it's not a crazy notion to me and maybe people listening think it's nuts but like ohio state's nine and know in the big ten it doesn't matter if they lose a game um because all you're talking about is like are you the one seed or are you the three seed in the big ten tournament And like either way you're going to play the best teams so um i would maybe give some serious thought to resting a guy like cater resting a guy like jay sean if you can and you know what, if you
0: lose an extra game, you might get a six seed in the tournament. You'd rather get that 6-11 game than be in that four seed or that five seed whether those nasty twelve and thirteen seeds That's too. true. Big picture.
1: Last question from Plus G if Nilly. You're, if you're a six seed, you might get a team that had to play a playing game.
0: It's brilliant. I think you've got to call Holt call Holtman, let him know what's up. Tell him we've worked it out. <laughs> G Nilly, if bates Diap never got hurt last year, is Thad Motta still Ohio State's coach. Yeah.
1: Today? I've been asked that question a lot. Um, Mostly by Thad Mana Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because the other way to ask the question is, if Cato was healthy, would Ohio State have made a tournament last year? And I, I, I think probably no. Cato um, was trending in this direction. People were very excited about what he was going to be last year, and then he had the stress fracture in his leg. Um, I think how good he is has overshadowed a lot of things that have changed with this team, namely like the point guard position that is much better than it was last year. Um, so I think they would have been better. I think maybe they would have won one or two of those games. They lost by five or fewer points. Um, but I still think ultimately the season probably would have ended with them not making the NCAA tournament. Maybe they would have made the NIT. I don't think that would have mattered. Um, it was about momentum and program trajectory. And I think at best, it would have just been like stable and not necessarily trending downward, but it wouldn't have been trending upward. So, um, no, I, I don't think in the end it would have changed much. Unless he was like unless he was this, I don't think he was gonna be. But would he last have
0: year. been this? Like why is he this now? Could he have been close to this? So that so when Keta Bates Diop got hurt last year, people people said oh, Ohio State's best player is out for the year. Yeah. Right? Nobody said the Big Ten's best player is out for the year. No. So so he would like he would not have been this level
1: by game twenty or
0: 22 last year no
1: no i think part of it is like the positions he's being put in i think that that like the offense is just running at a a different level than it's run the last two years so I, i i don't i have a hard time envisioning anyone on that team last year averaging i mean he's almost averaging 20 and 10 it's crazy like he's averaging player of the year numbers um, I just don't I don't think the offense was functional to the point last year where some, anyone could have done that. I think like their spacing was bad. Their ball movement was bad. They didn't share the ball at all. I just don't think he would have found himself in some of the spots he's found himself in this year. And to his credit, he's taking advantage of being in those spots. But I think there's something to be said of how, for how the offense is operating around him, too. I want to get to questions,
0: but can we play a game first? It's going to take five or ten minutes. Yep. This game is called, Where is this team the mostest better? Mm. Compared to last year, and we're going to go position by position very quickly. Okay.
1: Oh, like where, like
0: a where's the biggest you... improvement? And we're going to each decide what percent improvement at that position oh, man. they've had. So let's start at center, where we're basically talking about Trevor Thompson versus Caleb Wesson. Are they not better there this year? Yeah, they're and much I, better. Like, and I know Caleb's still coming on, but how much better
1: are they? Twice as but twice as good. Uh, yeah, I think I'd be willing to go there. I think they're, they don't have as good of rim protection as they had. Like Trevor, Trevor Thompson did not always play with a great position and often got called, um, because of, for fouls because of that, but he was a pretty good shot blocker. And Caleb Wesson is kind of not that. Now, Caleb is a good shot blocker and their shot blocking numbers overall are pretty good, but I think he did lose a little bit of something in that regard. But, um, the one thing about Trevor Thompson and really about any player they had playing the center position over the last few years is that when you threw the ball into them, it didn't come back out. Yep. Um, and with Caleb, it comes back out sometimes in a smart way.
0: You can see it coming yeah. from him. You can see, you can see Caleb Weston figuring out college basketball. And we were talking about this during the game. He's not Jared Selinger. He's never going to be Jared Selinger, but Jared Selinger should have been a one and done. Ohio state was very lucky. He's I mean, he was good enough to be a one and done. He chose to come back for year two, um, which was great for Ohio state. And it worked out fine for him um i think caleb Weston looks like a four-year player unless something changes but by year three and four that dude might just be a load in the big ten that like nobody can guard uh front court let's talk front court whatever that means just sort of like rebounding scoring from the front court i guess this is a cata discussion compared to what they had last year how much what's the how many times better
1: Five times? Five, yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm always bad at putting numbers on things, like, arbitrarily. Um, oh, my God. I've made my whole career on putting numbers on things arbitrarily. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, I always think like, they're way – like, my answer is they're way better.
0: Um, oh, no, 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 no. I No. Since since I became a sports writer, I have definitively been saying things like, this team has a 31% chance to win this game. And it's like, based on what? It's like, based on out my butt.
1: Yeah. Um, five times better. Five times better. Yeah. I, I think Jayshon is better – He's, like, doing the things he's always done, although he's he's finishing with his right hand a little more. He did it against Nebraska. Um, I think anything that keeps people off his left a little bit is good.
0: Okay, so a little inside basketball. We just got kicked out of a room at the Schottenstein Center, and they're tearing the building down around us. Um, so if you hear, clatter, 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 that's what that is. So we said that the front court is 11% better, I think. Is that right? Five
1: times better.
0: Five times better. Yeah. All right, point
1: guard play. Uh... I want to say like 100 times better, but if that's. That would be. That would be if the
0: point guard just. Every time they inbounded the ball to the point guard last year, he just took a nap at the
1: court. I mean, there were a lot of times where it felt like that was happening. The, <laughs> the difference is like Jaquan Lyle on a given night could like go off for a triple double, and I don't know if any of these guys can do that. So that's keeping me from saying 100% better. Um, so I'll say like uh, 70% better. I'll agree with that. Um, and it's just like composure, playing smart, uh, CJ Jackson, every now and then will throw a crazy pass where you're wondering what he was thinking, but he used to do that all the time. And I think I can probably count on one hand, the amount of times he's done it, like in the last 12 games. Um, and then Andrew Dockage is like a real basketball player who knew. So, uh, they're definitely better defensively at the point guard position. Like that's not, that's without a doubt, they're better defensively at that position. Um, and then I think both guys, Dockage and Jackson, are are much better facilitators and, like, movers of the offense than than anything they've had, really, since D'Angelo was here.
0: C.J. Jackson is so much better. Like, I can't believe it. He's a shooter. He's a ball handler. He's a passer. He runs the show. He's confident. He looks like a real guy, and there were times last year when Jaquan Lyle was, like, dribbling the offense into oblivion. It was sort of like, well, what are they going to do? Yeah. It's like, well, C.J. Jackson can't really be counted on for 25 minutes a game. No, So it's it's pretty remarkable. Um, shooting. Is this team a good shooting team? I know Cam Williams is maybe shooting like at a 45% or something from threes, not making a ton of them. Kata obviously can shoot it from anywhere.
1: Um, but do you feel like this is a better shooting team than a year ago? Yeah, I mean, if you would have asked me a week ago, I would have said definitely. They're not shooting it great over the last few games Um, and that's kind of just like Kate is not shooting great. And cam cam against Nebraska was for three in 20 minutes. Oh, for one from three point range. Like he still disappears sometimes. Um, but I, I think he might still actually be leading the big 10 in three point shooting and conference play, which is what he did, uh, two years ago. And he was really good, like six man for them. Um, so overall, yeah, I think it's probably a little better. I think they would like to get Micah Potter shooting it more, um, But Kate is shooting it well. Jayshon is not shooting threes, which is always good. Um, And Cam, like minus the Nebraska game, has been shooting it pretty well. And CJ, like you said, has has really improved the shooting. So, yeah, they're a better shooting team.
0: All right. So then the underrated uh, area where I think they have improved 1,000-fold from a year ago, and it's not on the court, assistant coaches. Yeah. The assistant coaches – uh, I felt like let Thad down in his last couple of years. Now, Thad hired them. It's his staff. He could have fired them. So it's on Thad But I think if you gave Thad Mata these three guys, Ryan Peden, Mike Schragge, and Terry Johnson, right? Did I get them all right? You got it. Energy, smarts, in-game adjustments, sideline coaching, connection to the players, pregame, getting guys ready, recruiting, 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 I think that's going to show up big time. Um, I think if you gave these three coaches to Thad Mata, he would have been fine. And as Thad Mata's health issues got worse, I I felt like he needed his assistance more, and they didn't give him anything. And I wrote a couple years ago they needed to make a change with their assistance. Jeff Bowles left, who was the best of the lot, and it wasn't close, uh, to be a head coach at Stony Brook. And I think the rest of the guys absolutely let Thad down. And you just can sense the energy can sense the connection, Um, and it makes such a huge difference because the head coach is the head coach. And in basketball, the head coach is much more hands-on than it is in football. Um, Thad Mata lost some of that hands-on. He used to love to be a guy out there in practice with guys. And then when he had his back issues, he couldn't do that anymore. Um, But you can get a real connection on the court, and your your assistant coaches have to be that connection. And I think of anything that died, that withered, In the last couple years at Ohio State, that is what I would put at the top of the list. Um, That connection withered, and that's on the assistant coaches. Now, it's on the head coach first, because everything's on the head coach. But that staff did not get it done, and I think these three guys absolutely get it done. And you can sort of hear it in the way that these players talk about things.
1: Landis? Yeah, no, I I agree 100%. And I'm going to write something in the next few days, probably on Wednesday, about it was just something interesting that I thought Jay Sean Tate said, and it was in relation to Chris Holman. But I think it, it it can be stretched out to include the whole staff. Is like he said, he thinks Chris Holman is psychic because there's an anticipation of what a game is going to be like and how this team's going to play, and I think that allows them to coach um, and prepare for the right kind of things. Um, and I think like having your finger on the pulse of your team like that is something that didn't exist here over the last few years and like Thad always came in the post game press conferences like dumbfounded that his team played the way it played and I always remember thinking to myself like well this is like if you if, if you're as surprised in a bad way as often as you are being surprised in a bad way then this is not sustainable um, and it's not all on Thad it's all, like you said it's all connectivity to the assistant coaches there were times where they would play like did you guys practice like did you watch film of the opponent you're playing tonight because it looks like Things they've done throughout the entire season, you're completely surprised by it and You weren't prepared for it. Um, and I don't think this team at any point this season has been underprepared. Um, there have been times where they've lost and looked bad, and I think that's just like natural growing pains of the new staff taking over a young team. Um, but, yeah, I agree 100% that these assistant coaches um, should should be talked about a little more than they have been. And um, it's been, I think, the, the biggest change this program has made is, is those three guys across the board, recruiting, game planning, individual player development. Um, it's, it's been pretty spectacular. All right.
0: We'll get to some more of your questions. Lance is going to pull them up. But I think it's a point that, that is some of the things we talk about with the football program sometimes is that head coaches get older because they're, they're at the top of their profession. There's nowhere else for them to go. So when, when a, a young head coach gets a job and he stays there, he gets older. But you need some of that vitality in the staff. And after a while, it has to come from someone other than just the head coach. And it's not all about youth, but I think youth is a component of it. But, like, for instance, in football, someone like Kerry Combs is not a young guy, but he has that vitality. He has that connection to the players. He has that energy. Um, and I didn't feel that with the, with the basketball assistants the past couple of years. But, like, when I wonder about the football coaching staff sometimes, I wonder about that connectivity, that juice, that um, the energy. And that's why, for instance, when I'm on a guy like Bill Davis, I feel like Luke Fickle was a guy who had a lot of that as an assistant. He knew his guys. He was connected to his guys. Um, and I think they took a big step back in that, and I think if it was Bill Davis. And I think if you take a step back in too many places with that, you eventually will have to pay the piper. And I think that's what happened with this Ohio State basketball staff. Now, in football, there's 10 assistants instead of three. Um, You can shape your staff in a lot of different ways, but like you would think, and again, it's not, I don't want to be ageist, but I'm going to be energyist. (laughs) You know, I'm older than Landis. Who has more energy? Me or you? Me. Absolutely. I'm falling apart. And I don't have a lot. Um, But like, I think that's why like a guy like Alex Grinch is an important hire because he's coming here to make a name for himself. He's on his way up. He needs to have energy. He's just, he's closer in age to the players. He's not. He's one generation removed, not two generations removed. That kind of stuff matters, and I think that's what you saw uh, fall apart with the Ohio State basketball staff, and it clearly has returned with Chris Holtman's staff.
1: Okay, questions. <clears throat> Kyle A. at Kyle underscore OSU, uh, he asked, how legitimate of a run do you think this team can make in the NCAA tournament? Um, I think they're going to be overseeded, just because of the way this season's transpired. They've I thought it was crazy that they jumped from 22 to 13 in the AP poll. And I like the AP poll doesn't matter. Um, they're ranked pretty highly in Ken Palm. They're ranked very highly in RPI. I think they're ranked higher. Their ranking is like portraying a team that they're not quite to that level, if that makes sense. Um, doesn't mean I think they're bad. And I don't think they're incapable of making some kind of run, but I'm just nervous that they're going to be overseeded. And because they're going to be overseeded, there's going to be some kind of letdown. Um, I don't think they're the 13th best team in the country. I don't think they're a top 15 nationally. Um, I don't think, really, like based on the schedule they've played, that they should be among the top 16 seeds, and it seems like they're going to be, or, or at least are on the verge of being among the top 16 seeds in the NCAA tournament. And uh, I, I just don't think that's right. So, um, all that said, I, I suppose like I'm not going to be surprised if they win a game or two, get past the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, but I think they're going to find themselves with some unfavorable matchups in March because uh, this team is, is getting pumped up, I think, maybe a little more than it should be at the moment. Um, I did see someone make a point on Twitter that he thought maybe
0: Ohio State would not be seeded quite what people might be thinking because like, they're non-conference. They, didn't, they played a decent non-conference schedule. They just didn't win. They didn't win any. It was Sam Vicini. Yeah. They didn't beat Butler. They didn't beat Clemson. They didn't beat Gonzaga. They didn't beat Carolina.
1: They have and, one top hundred win in the non conference, and it was Stanford. And Stanford's like ninety sixth or something like that in compound.
0: And I don't know. I mean, again, I th- people. I think in both sports get a, get into a lot of, and this has sort of happened like with Alabama playing Mersh or whatever. It's like your schedule's your schedule. Whether it was in conference or out of conference, it's it's looked at in its totality. And so, but so, but then part of the issue would be if there aren't that many other top fifty, top twenty five. Top 100 teams in the Big Ten, then that's what's going to affect you too, right? That they're beating Mm. a lot of middle of the pack teams, but they're not going to maybe end up with that many top 25 wins because of the league. And if they don't beat Purdue, you know, they'll have the Michigan State win, but they're not going to have a whole boatload of them. So um, I'll be curious to be where, see where they end up seated. I also think it's possible that like they could end the season as like the number nine team in the country and be a six seed. You know, like every now and then the committee like goes way different than what the AP poll does. And I think maybe that could be on the on the table. They're in similar like they're
1: they're 13 in the AP poll and and like before this game and it's probably changed now. They were 14th in RPI, so they're about an RPI. Like we can have a conversation about how dumb RPI is, but that's still the metric they're using for now, so it's still important. But um, I think like if they were to lose one of these next four home games at Penn State, Indiana, or Illinois, I don't think that's really going to say anything about their tournament chances. I just think like you don't go through Big Ten play undefeated. Does it ever happen? Has anyone ever gone? Like, <laughs> I mean, the one year that they
0: were really good, they were the best team in the country, they were like, they got to like mid-February, I think. Undefeated they started 11-0. The it was 11-0? Yeah. Here, let me ask a quick question. Will they be undefeated in the Big Ten when they get to Purdue?
1: I thought no because I thought they were going to lose last week, but now I think they're going to be, yeah. I think they'll they're going to be 12-0 they'll be, be. They'll be on February 7th against Purdue. Book it. You both think it. Um, Book it. But if you want to know if they're capable of making a Big Ten run, I mean, the Purdue game will tell you. I think because it's about be a tournament run. NCAA tournament, tournament, sorry, yeah. the NCAA tournament run. Um, The Purdue game will tell you because the, the thing we don't know yet is if they can beat top level teams on neutral or away floor. They like beat Michigan State here, and it was a good win. But winning at home, like I said earlier, is different. Is just different than winning on the road or winning on a neutral floor. So um, the Purdue game will tell you. I think if they're ready to make a run, and if they show up well in that game, then yeah, I think they can make a run. Um. Paul at Jaeger 3 says, what's the expectation for the team's success in the Big Ten tournament? Will 10 days off between the tournament NCAA and Big Ten help or hurt this team? It's two separate questions. Uh, The second one, I don't know. It's an interesting question, and there were questions before the year. So the Big Ten tournament's played a a week earlier this year because it's played at Madison Square Garden, and the Big East also plays at Madison Square Garden, and they own the week before the NCAA tournament. So, Um, usually the Big Ten Championship is the last game that's played before the selection show. The Big Ten Tournament Championship will be played, and then a week later you'll watch the selection show. So it's going to be strange. Um, I think it probably helps a team that has a thin roster that's playing guys a lot of minutes. I think it will probably help them more than it will hurt them. Um, And then I think, I don't know, I think at the moment they can beat everyone in the Big Ten other than Purdue because I haven't seen them matched up yet. So I think that means they're capable of making a deep Big Ten run. I think, here's my prediction.
0: People will be writing about how Jim Delaney and the Big Ten power brokers sold out their own teams after this extra week off before the NCAA tournament leads to all the Big Ten teams bombing out of the tournament because it's so weird and unusual. I know smaller conferences do it because smaller conferences want their conference championship games on ESPN and they'll play it whenever. But those, those leagues are getting one team in. Yep. I think this is – I think it's stupid. I think if you can't figure out something better than, oh, we'll play in the – is it the Big East? Is that who has it? You said? Yeah. Well, we're going to play where the Big East plays, but we'll just play the week earlier and we'll screw up the schedule during the year and then have an extra week off just because we want to be in New York so badly. I think it's ludicrous. I think the Big Ten should be better than that. It's not worth it. Play in D.C. or play somewhere else. I mean, there's no reason to play it anywhere other than Chicago or Indianapolis. But if you're going to do this, fine. Then then find somewhere else in New York to play it. I don't know. Play it in Brooklyn. Why do they play it in MSG? Play it at Barclays would be really cool. It's so stupid. And I think it's going to have an effect. And I think I will have my pen ready to accuse Jim Delaney of selling out his league and it costing them on the court.
1: I just don't know. Like, not to go off a ten. What do they get from it? No one's going to go. They get no one f- went when it was in D.C. last year.
0: They get fake like, oh, we have an office in New York City, a Big Ten office in New York City. Look, we're in New
1: York Conference. Yeah. Bullcrap. I don't know what the benefit of that is. Like I know like it's like, TV eyeballs in New York City are a thing, but like playing in Madison Square Garden does not mean more people in New York City are going to watch the games on television. And it
0: doesn't mean that more – it's not like, oh, people are going to be like sitting at home being like, oh, is this the uh, 14-11 game between Illinois and Rutgers? yeah. Oh, is it in Indianapolis? I'm not going to watch that. Oh, no. It's in New York City. Turn it on.
1: The first stupid. The, so I was in DC last year when Ohio State lost to Rutgers and there was nobody there. Um there legitimately legitimately might be like 500 people in the arena on that first day of the Big 10 tournament to watch Illinois Rutgers uh Iowa and Wisconsin. Like that's going to be it's going to be a bad look for the Big Ten, I think, because even Ohio State was just here and play against Minnesota, the upper deck wasn't open, and I think there were like 4,000 people in the stands.
0: And, like, I get it. We're not going to re-legislate Rutgers being in the Big Ten, but why do you have to do this? Why do you have to do this? Okay, fine. Rutgers is in. Why do you have to play – when they put Nebraska in, they didn't move the Big Ten basketball tournament to Omaha for a year. It's so
1: stupid. It does That get, actually would make more sense to move it to Omaha, by the way. It does go back um, – 2019 to, I think, 2022, it goes back alternating between Indianapolis and Chicago, the
0: way the good Lord And then considered. after that, it will be in
1: a Shanghai, China, after yeah. uh, Shanghai Tech
0: is added to the Big Ten yeah. to get more uh, recruiting ground.
1: Okay, quick answer to this one. Scott Duda, at Scott Duda, asked, if the team were playing this well, as well as they are now, which, if any, of the early season losses would they have won? Um, they would have beat Butler. They completely, okay. they, they crapped the bet against Butler. They were up 15 with, like, three minutes left, and they lost in overtime. Um, I don't. I don't think they would have beat Gonzaga. Um, I've said multiple times. I think they could have beat North Carolina if, if Katie didn't get in foul trouble, um, or at least it would have been a more competitive game. Um, I think Clemson was just a bad matchup for them, even though they blew a lead. I still think they could have lost that game, and uh, I think it's all they lost four games, right? So, so you so think Butler, it's? Possi- I think they would have. Be I think. I think I can say pretty confidently they would have beat Butler. But it is possible that if
0: they were playing the way they are now, they could be twenty-two and zero. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's what I took from that.
1: Yeah, way. yeah. Uh, let's see. Patrick Barton, P. Barton, two four two five four. It seems like in the last two games, the rest of the team has picked up the slack during stretches where Keda is struggling. Is that sustainable, or does Keda need to get great in order for us to make a run in the Big Ten NCAA tournament? Yeah, he, like you need if you're making any kind of run. To anything in any tournament, it's gonna to be because Kate is at the top of this game. I I think it's very encouraging that they have won these games. They against Northwestern and Minnesota both, they were trailing, took Cada out of the game and regained the lead in both games with, with their best player off the floor. And I think that's promising and you should be happy about that. Um, but I don't think it is sustainable to win tournament basketball. You need your best players playing their best. And so Cada and he has been awful. Like he's still averaging his twenty points per game. But yeah, he needs to be the guy that he was, like, against Michigan State, I think, for them to make a run. I agree with that. Uh, There were a couple of recruiting questions. Hmm. Are you concerned at all how Coach Holtman is struggling to get top in-state recruits Justin Aarons, who is the only Ohio player in this recruiting class, is the 10th best player in Ohio? Uh, will the success of this season help this issue in the future? Uh, not concerned. I think the timing was weird. Now, there were some guys who were uncommitted um, when they got here and then, like, Committed to other programs not long after Holman's staff arrived. Um, I'm just I'm not I'm not holding it against them, and maybe that's giving them too much leeway. But I'm just I'm not going to do it. Um, they arrived in June. I think it's hard to lock up guys in your own state who I think had second thoughts with the program already, and um, the guys who were committed like Dane Goodwin, I think committed to Thad I wanted to play for Thad. And when Thad wasn't here; he went somewhere else. And Darius Basley, I think, kind of blew up a little bit, and frankly, thought he was better than playing at Ohio State. So um I'm not going to hold it against them. It's not something I'm super concerned about. I know Jeremiah Francis in 2019 is committed to North Carolina. Um, I don't They'll get ex- him back. Yeah, I, I wonder No, I like <laughs> I'm not even joking. If you would have asked me before the season and like I like some inside information that they're not particularly interested in going back after him to try to flip him, but you're talking about uh legacy who has talked a lot about wanting to, like I think his quote was like, get the shot rocking again. I think he cares that Ohio State is good, so I wouldn't be surprised if that door opens back up. I think the number one thing that 9-0 is doing is getting the brand back,
0: yeah. and the number one thing that does is help in-state Ohio recruiting. Zero worries. This, once again, is a program that a lot of Ohio kids will want to play for. Not everyone. Every now and then you're going to lose Luke Kennard to Duke and you're going to lose a couple guys here and there. But this, again, it's it's back now. It's back. This, again, is a place that the William Bufords and Jared Sellinger's and Costa Kufises and guys like that want to play for,
1: and they will get them. I have zero doubt about that. Um, that's kind of the same guy. It was Austin at Ch- Chappelle Austin asked the question, what's your opinion on getting top recruits compared to three or four-star players that stay four years? Will Ohio State ever be able – to get big-time recruits like Odin Conley again, or are we on the path in the future to get the four-year players that progress well throughout the years? Um, I think you're mostly going to see that. I think that's that's how you build a program. Um, I don't it's think, not necessarily how Thad built it. No, right? no, no. But I also think like that's – I think that is sort of dangerous territory to wade into. Mm-hmm. Like, to have that kind of quick fix, let's go get a five-star and ride him for a year before he goes to the NBA. Now, Fad did it and survived and then did it again and and had really good run here. Um, but I, I think it takes a certain kind of program to operate that way, and, and Ohio State's just not a Kentucky or Duke or Arizona or whatever. Um, so I think you would want Holtman, and I think he will err on the side of whatever, three, four-star, whatever, guys who are going to be around for multiple years because he's trying to build a program. He's not trying to go grab a star. And like have a one year blip where you win twenty seven games and make a deep run, that kind of like throws your roster off for future classes. No, so.
0: and, and I've said it before: the best team that people loved here was Jared Sullinger, at the middle of it as a superstar, surrounded by guys who were not NBA guys. Um, so you don't need the, the Odin Conley thing was lightning in a bottle. Now the thing is, you know what's really helping him right now? Cade Bates being a yeah,
1: star, yeah. and
0: he was a top fifty recruit, not from Ohio. Yep, they have to go get a guy like that every couple years from somewhere. I think you can fill in with a lot of really good Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Pennsylvania area, you know, the, the general area, big 10 footprint kids who are going to be four year players and be three or four star recruits. But every now and then, not every year, I think every two or three years, you've got to go get a guy like, cause it's like, Oh, this is great. Like Jay Sean Tate's great. Jay Sean Tate can't be your best player. No, no. And I don't, and, but so, but they went and got Kata, Thad Mata went and got Kata Bates diop out of Chicago. Top yeah. 50 kid out of Chicago in the same that, class as D'Angelo that could have gone anywhere and came to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He's the best player in the Big Ten. So I, I think that Holtman might have a different philosophy, but if the brand gets back, I think that, but like, and we've pounded them. We're as big on Ohio recruiting as anybody with this team because we we saw Thad miss a lot going to get guys. He hit sometimes too. Think about this team without Kata. Think about what this team last year was without Kata. That's what a guy like that, how that much, dif- a guy like that can make a difference. And he was a top 50 recruit that could have gone a lot of places, wasn't right next door, and came to Ohio State.
1: I think, like, I don't even know if you're going to get a, McDonald's all-American five-star kind of guy in the 2019 class—they're going to try, and they're definitely not opposed to that. They're not opposed to one and dones. Um I've asked Chris Holman that several times, and he says no. If we can get one, if we can get them, we'll go get them. Um, I don't think you'll ever see him bring in like more than one in those classes, even if they have the opportunity to. Because I do—I truly think he is cognizant of finding pieces that fit together, roster uh, like sustainability over the course of the year, so you don't have multiple guys transferring after every season. Um, but I think you should be excited that the, they're playing an exciting brand of basketball that's going to attract recruits. They're a good team. They're back like on the national stage. But also they have a star who they're allowing to play like a star. And I think that is enticing to those kind of McDonald's All-American five-star guys. Um, Nick Howell says, Is there any chance Kata stays for his senior season or is it a foregone conclusion that he leaves? If he does, do you see him as a lottery pick? He's not a lottery pick. Um, I think he's a first-round pick. I don't even know. I don't think I'm not an expert on the NBA draft, but I just have a hard time seeing him be a lottery pick because he's not. He he's a shot maker, and I think he'll be a shot maker at a professional level. But he's not a super dynamic athlete that I think you see at a lottery picks. Um, I my guess is that he's gone. I wouldn't be totally surprised if he came back, Mm -hmm. but he's a graduate. He's already got his degree. Um, he's dealt with injuries in his career, and I think that always is something that pushes guys more towards the money if they can go get it. And also, like if you know anything about his backstory, um, his brother had basketball taken away from him. His brother collapsed at practice last year um, due to a heart issue and had basketball taken away from him, and I think that's something that sticks with you. So um, I think Kata just knows like the window is, is not open very long. So if he has the opportunity to take it, I think he will.
0: Uh couple questions about Kate I think people are very concerned about Kate's future but I yeah you know far better than I do but again I you know it's one of those things if he's gonna be like the 25th pick in the draft he could say like this is pretty fun I wouldn't mind seeing what this is like I think the backstory point you made is very interesting and is an important one the personal stories of these guys is what matters most but I think there would be reasons in place potentially for him to stay because I think he could help himself
1: even more he could help himself more um, if he stays I think there's a – like this year is crazy and no one saw this coming. There's a there's a potential for next year to be more of a rebuild because they'll be really young. Um, but if Cata stays, that changes everything. So I don't think it's possible that he stays. I would just – I would not be super confident in that happening. Um, well, Jay Sean Tate tried to take one of Jaquan Lyle's years of eligibility and yeah, use I it think, to be a 5th I think that's how it player. works. I think he's going to take a year from every guy from the 2015 class. So he's going to be here five more years. Yeah, I'll be here until he's 30. Um, David McMahon says, if Thad Mata is still the coach, what do you think their record would be right now? I don't think it would be this good. At least three or four more losses. Do you agree? Uh, No. No. I think like Chris Holman and his staff have done a really good job. They've done a really good job mostly with Thad Mata's players. And I think all the points that we made earlier about the assistant coaches, the points you made, Doug, are, are true and important. Um, but I do think that I I can say pretty confidently that this would have been a, a better season. Maybe not on this level. Maybe they wouldn't have been 13th in the country. Um, but the Big Ten is down. This roster is the roster. And um, I still thought Fab was a good coach. So three or four losses sounds like a lot to me. Maybe not 18 and four. Maybe like 17 and five or 16 and six. Um but I think they could have done this or something close to this maybe. They wouldn't have Musa Jallo
0: and Kyle Young who are big pieces for the future but are not core rotation guys right now.
1: They wouldn't have Andrew Dockage either. They would have Braxton Beverly.
0: Yes. Who is scoring like 15 points a game for North Carolina State. Yes. They'd be better.
1: Yeah, they'd probably be better. They, well, <laughs> like Their they're pers- be better. Their, their personnel would be better, I think. It's just a matter
0: – I'm not going to – Keep saying it, I'm going to keep saying it. If people ask it. The guys they lost off this roster were giant negatives last year. Thadmont is responsible for bringing them in. They sucked the life out of this team. They sucked the life out of this team. The fact that they are gone and Kata Bates Diop is healthy is such a transformation that it makes your head spin. And all the things Chris Holtman says about Kata Bates Diop being a great guy and Jay Sean Tate being a great guy and CJ Jackson being a great guy, those were always great guys. And they were sucked down by the other guys around them who are no longer here. They would be great guys for Thad Mata too. And Chris Holtman, Chris Holtman brings up Thad Mata more than anybody. I feel bad how much Chris Holtman has to bring up Thad Mata. But he knows the deal and he's trying to make sure he gives credit where credit is due. Chris Holtman didn't make Sean Tate into a leader and into a selfless player. He's been that the whole time and he was sucked down by a bunch of me first guys who killed this team for a couple years, no energy, no connection, no defense, no hustle guys. They're gone. And they were going to be gone, whether Chris Holtman's the coach or Thad Bonnet's the coach. So Tom Izzo in his press conference here said, well, Thad Bonnet got rid of Jaquan Lyle. That's a big deal. That was happening. That's the biggest difference. If you see a difference in this team, yes, all credit to Chris Holtman and especially these assistants, energy connection, game plan, all that. The biggest difference is who's back, a healthy Katie Bates-Diop, and who's gone, three guys who had most contributed to the knuckleheadedness of last year's team. Those three guys are gone. And they were going to be gone no matter what. And that is the number one reason we've seen a transformation. Yes, coaches deserve credit. But this would be Katie Bates-Diop, Jay Sean Tate, Cam Williams, uh, CJ Jackson, Micah Potter, Caleb Wesson, Andre Wesson, Braxton Beverly. That team would be doing very, very similar things. And Braxton Beverly, it turns out, was a
1: really good player. He's playing really well for NC The one thing I will say, people are going to be angry about that. Um, about what I just said? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like <laughs> I know you. Oh, you know your your. Uh, <laughs> I know who I am. People, yeah, and I get lumped in with you sometimes. <laughs> I that uh, breaks my heart.
0: That's no, the last okay. thing that I
1: want for you to be lumped in. I just think it's like it's – people have a hard time separating things. There was so much animosity towards Thad at the end of his tenure that like if you like want to give Thad any credit at all for what this team is doing, people take it as like a shot at Chris Holtman when like both things can be true. Um, the one thing I will say, I, I, if the old coaching staff was here, the point guard play would not be as good. Chris Holtman handles the point guards mostly. He's like the de facto point guard coach. I think it's easy to give a head coach too much credit for something like this when it's a, it's a collective kind of deal. Um, he has, in my opinion, his hands all over the improvement of CJ Jackson and, and what Andrew Dockich has done. And if we remove Dockich and replace him with Beverly, I don't think the point guard plays as good with the old coaching staff as it is now. I'll buy that. And that, I mean, that makes a difference in games, obviously. Um, okay, that's it for questions. That's it. Okay, that was long.
0: We'll do the football podcast Wednesday. The football podcast Wednesday. We usually put it up in the wee hours Tuesday night so it's there Wednesday morning for your morning commute. We're not going to record it until late Wednesday morning. We're going to let this basketball this basketball podcast breathe a little bit. So we'll still hit you on Wednesday. We know we know that there are people who actually like wait up Tuesday night to listen to us, which is boggles our minds but also warms the cockles of our hearts. So let this po- basketball podcast hold you over until maybe lunchtime on Wednesday till yeah. that one gets up, okay? But it's coming on Wednesday. All kinds of football stuff. We're going to talk about Ryan Day, Greg Schiano, um, possible coaching changes here. If it sounds like Ryan Day is not going anywhere, what that means. Um, a lot of it. I think we'll have a lot of assistant coach talk.
1: Yeah, uh, on Wednesday's football podcast. Plus another position breakdown. I don't know what we've done. Probably, backfield and receivers so far.
0: Probably. A, a Tim wants to stick with the offense, so I think we'll probably the do line. offensive line. Can't wait. It Should be a big day for you. So, but that was basketball.
1: Uh, when's the next basketball game? Thursday night against Penn State, eight o'clock.
0: Okay, make sure you're reading all Atlantis' stuff. Cleveland.com slash OSU. Follow us on Twitter, Bill Landis twenty five at Doug Maurice. Should we tell them this the the podcast thing or no? Which oh, yeah. Wednesday?
1: No, I'll, I'll. So real quickly, we're to not to get too technical. We host our podcast on SoundCloud and then we distribute that to the platforms you listen to listen to it on through that. Um, we're switching it from SoundCloud. Um, So, which might mean that we're taking it off SoundCloud for good, SoundCloud for good. Um, But if there's anyone listening who, like, relies on SoundCloud to listen to Buckeye Talk, shoot me a message on Twitter. um, And I can either point you in the direction of finding a new place to listen to it, or if there are, like, a thousand of you, then maybe we'll alter that plan. So just if you listen to Buckeye Talk on SoundCloud, um, give me a shout. And if you don't, you should be fine. But if you experience any, like, technical difficulties, also let us know that as we're like making this transition to a different hosting platform.
0: Yeah, hopefully it's a seamless migration that won't affect you at all. But otherwise, tell Landis. Yeah. He's the tech guy and the offensive line guy and the recruiting guy and the basketball guy mm-hmm. and the Philly guy. Mm-hmm. Go Birds. Soft pretzel guy and uh, a big fluffy teddy bear. Yep, all those things. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. He's Bill. I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.